It's been a while. How do you like the new setup? Yeah? So maybe if you want to get a head start, why don't you grab a Bible? There's one, one along the, the sides here. And we're Mark 12, starting uh, verse 28 through 34. And we're all also going to, so put a finger there, and also put another finger in Luke 10. Um, Luke 10, let's see, what verse would that be? Uh, starting at verse 25. So verse 28 and 25. Um, and here's the thing. Um, this week, as, you know, originally I was going to preach this message, but uh, I got that phone call from the school district saying, oh, they're stripping the floors as we speak. You guys can't come here this week. So that's when we had Displaced Sunday at our house, 85 people having breakfast at, in our front yard. Um, so I've had a, a chance to kind of sit in this for some time and just kind of marinate in it. You know, if, you, if you're a red meat eater like Dave Schisler, you know that if you let something marinate for a while, it just takes on the flavor of those, the, the good soy sauce or whatever it is. You know, if you pack it in black pepper, it gets a little... Uh, so I, I've been marinating in this for some time. And what came to mind for me as I sat in this was, Back in 2006, way back in 2006, uh, Laura and I uh, made a decision that some people uh, considered to be absolutely foolish. We had free housing in uh, Lauren's executive mansion now um, of Camp Manitoba. Free housing, free utilities. Just it, it was just an amazing setup. We had a huge uh, front room where we could entertain tons of people. We had a back deck, which we, well, some other friends of mine built. Uh, and it was just huge. It was just an amazing house, and I loved it. But Laura and I, as we were starting the church plant, thought, you know, something that is very important for us is connecting with people. And when you live in that, that spot that we live in, you have no neighbors, none. The only neighbors that you might have are those random illegal parkers that would come off of the baseball field and decide they want to park over there because it's convenient and they're too lazy to walk from the parking lot. So they'd park there. Those were our only neighbors that we ever saw. So you could walk around in your boxers. There's a mental picture you didn't need. On the back deck. And nobody would ever see you. So Laura and I decided in 2006 that we were going to make a financial and spiritual decision to move from free to having a mortgage. To move from a place where we had no neighbors to a place where we had no choice but to interact with people. And we moved to New Lenox. And uh, the scary thing for me is that I've got to watch my every word on these, these sermons because my neighbors check me out. So hello to uh, John and Alicia, uh, John and Donna Windsor, and all my other neighbors that are checking out. I love my neighbors. These folks are the best people to, to be neighbors with. Laura and I and my kids love our neighbors. We love them to death. We've got John uh, and Alicia Sajak who live across the street from us. And my kids are always asking, can they go over to Grandma Alicia's house? Can we go across the street? Can we go over and hang out? And the kids are just waiting. They're looking to see if they're there. Our neighbors next to us, uh, John and Donna, Oh my gosh, we love having these people over for meals and playing a left-right center. And some of you are going, oh, I know how to play that college game. No, it's not that one. It's just playing dice with quarters, you know. 
and we, we play um, Mexican train, we play cards, we do all kinds of stuff, and we love these people. And it was a decision for us to go from free to going into relationship. And this morning, uh, I think Jesus has some very, um, very strong words for the church. And for some of you, I'm, I'm going to feel like, uh, you may feel like I'm railing on you, especially those of you that love your family. Like your immediate mom, dad, cousins, uncles and aunts and grandpa and grandma. Because uh, Jesus has some words about who is your neighbor and what does love of God look like. And then he ties the two together. And they're hard words for us to hear, especially in our sometimes, some of us, isolated worlds of exclusion or intentional who we include. So read along with me. Uh, Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked, What commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that He is one, and there is no one beside Him. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love your neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus said that, He he answered wisely, He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then jump to your right to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. So answering this question, to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as as yourself. Who is this neighbor? Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Hear that? What shall I do to eternal, inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, 
passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to a man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So Jesus is uh, on his final way to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem and having these discussions. The people are grilling him. This is the week of the high holy days where um, Passover is about to happen. So everybody is in Jerusalem. And the, the, this Jesus that everybody has been hearing about has come to Jerusalem to celebrate the, this Passover feast. And so the religious leaders now have him captive, if you will, in Jerusalem to grill him. And hopefully before all of Israel that has gathered, millions of people that have come to Jerusalem at this time, they can finally say, look, see, this guy is a fraud. This guy is a blasphemer. This guy does not know the law of Moses. Therefore, do not follow him. In fact, let's kill him. That was their hope that they can, this, this lawyer could say, listen, tell us what is the great commandment? And Jesus answered rightly, love the Lord your God. It came straight from Moses, Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Love Him and Him only. But then Jesus does this, this, this tricky thing that no one else has done. He says, not only should you love the Lord your God with all that you are, what is equal to that is loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. For many of us, I think we have this feeling that our neighbor is that person we have our closest relationships with. It's the person that you can share all your junk, all your your issues, your struggles, your woes. Man, I'm in this, this issue in my life or this place in my life. You are my neighbor. Maybe it's that person that is your closest proximity. But Jesus does this whole, no, 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 no. The priority commandment is to love God immensely with all that you have. Not just your mind, but all your strength, all your heart, your passions, everything that is about you. Love God. And out of that overflow, love for your neighbors will take place. Probably one of the hardest things uh, since day one. We at, 
we have decided that we are not going to be the, cho- the church that sends out glossy postcards. One, it is just ridiculously expensive. It costs to mail out in this area postcards to reach everybody about $15,000. Ridiculous. $15,000. And there was the pressure that to reach, you know, you need to have reach a critical mass of people to make this happen. To financially underwrite it, to have a sustainable mission. You gotta have so many people in here at so many head, dollars per head. You know, we, we were given basically a, a spreadsheet. Just ask, uh, Nathan and Dave with some of our conversations of, well, if you get this many people in and they give a minimum of $20 per person per Sunday, you'll be able to financially underwrite this. And what, really? That's what church is about? Getting people in to make this sustainable? That's what this is? garbage we decided from day one we want to be a church of relationships that not only has this tremendous love and passion for jesus christ for god who in his sovereign wisdom offered mercy to us we want uh, our, our lives just to be passionately following after god we want to give him all of our hearts our soul our mind our strength we, we don't see our lives as segmented pieces of a dinner tray where you put mashed potatoes here, you put the beans here, and you put your uh, dessert here, and you put your fried chicken here. All of our lives are combined into one great big casserole of life. It's all combined. For me, that's a lot of work. I grew up in the world where life was quite segmented. You put it into peace, including your food. You know, you kind of keep the mashed potatoes, and if there was gravy, you only put just enough gravy on there so it doesn't touch your other stuff because it makes the chicken nasty. You know, so you, you don't mix your, your lives. Some of you are going, oh, that sounds delicious. Oh, gross, nasty. Uh, but anyway, God says, listen, your whole lives are mine, everything, and everything bleeds into each other. That's the way that I've created you. There's not a spiritual side to you, a financial side to you, an emotional, sexual, all that. It is all one. It's all integrated. So love God with all of you are. And out of this richness, the way that you are so loved and the way that you love God, a natural overflow of your heart comes out and you love people. And so we decide from day one, we want to be a church that loves God tremendously that all of our lives are integrated into everything that we do, that as we follow Him, it's integrated into our work, our life, our marriage. Everything is together. And relationally, we love one another. Tremendously. We, we, we have got to give our lives to each other as Christ has given Himself to us. We have got to love our neighbors as ourselves. We have got to love each other more fully. As Christ has loved us, so we should love one another. The extent that grace has been given to us is the extent that grace should be given to each other. The extent that forgiveness has been given to us, we were hell-bound people, is the same extent that we need to offer 
forgiveness to each other. Patience. Kindness. All those things. The extent of that that has been given to us is the extent that we need to offer it to each other. Tim Keller uh, said this in his, his book. The law requires a heart and mind totally submitted to and absorbed in God alone. Second, it requires that we must meet the needs of others with all the speed, the eagerness, the energy, and the joy with which we meet our own. I love that. Second, it requires that we must meet the needs of others. He doesn't say just the ones that you like. He doesn't say just your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, and that close cluster of folks that you have insulated yourself with. He says it requires that we must meet the needs of others with all, all the speed, the eagerness, the energy, and the joy with which we meet our own needs. So who are these others? Luke 10, Jesus was asked by the Lord, so who is, who is my neighbor? And he wanted to be justified. Did you hear that? Because he thought he was doing pretty darn good. He was a religious guy who said, listen, I'm doing good. So, Rabbi, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me who is my neighbor then. Because I want everybody to hear that I am a faithful follower. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story of who is your neighbor. And I'm going to tell it with you in it. A priest was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And there was a man that had the living daylights beat out of him, stripped butt naked. For, for most of us, that would be our first thing of going, naked man, keep on walking. You know, there's a fear going, especially if you're a man, going, ooh, I'm scared to death. Somebody give me something to cover him. You know, that's the first thing. So a priest who has priestly duties to offer mercy, to offer care, just read what, what the expectations of the religious people of those days, they were high. They were called to be the administrators of mercy and of grace. So you, you've, you have this priest, so Jesus starts at the top, the priest, the, the head honcho, and says, okay, watch, watch what he does. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. From a distance, he sees naked man. Stripped, beaten, probably bleeding, moaning on the ground. And what does the priest do? Passes by on the other side. Second comes a Levite. One of a whole clan that is dedicated to caring for the temple. Caring for people. A whole clan of people. One of those. And for me it just says the church. The response, who, who is responsible for caring and loving on people? The church. We have very respons- a huge responsibility of caring for our own needs and the world outside. But what does this guy do? The exact same thing. He walks around, avoids eye contact, and keeps on moving. Finally, of all people, Jesus says, you want to know who your neighbor is? Watch this. There's a Samaritan. Those half-breeds that you hate, that even in your prayers you say, God, do not have mercy on those people. 
what does he do? He stops. Looks at this man who is beaten and naked. And he shows mercy. Not only does he show mercy and just covers him, he then provides a means for giving help. Puts him on a donkey, his own animal, takes him to an inn. Because more than likely he was a passer through her. And for, if, if you know Scripture well enough, we are called aliens here, sojourners, those who are passing through. And in the same way, this Samaritan was passing through. But he saw a need. He stopped. He provided a way to get him to a healthy spot. Brought him to the inn and said, listen, here's my own means care for him. And if there is additional needs, you put it on my bill. I will take care of this person because he's my responsibility. And Jesus said, so who of these? Man who wants to be justified. Who is truly being the neighbor? Who is my neighbor? the one that didn't quite fit. And she said, listen, you need to be like the Samaritan who's willing to step out of his comfort zone because he knows that he is not cared for, he's not liked. You need to be like him. So who's our neighbor? Hop in your car. Go to Panera for lunch. Welcome to your neighborhood. Sit down in Starbucks. Have a cup of coffee. Introduce yourself to your neighbors. Go to your workplace. People that maybe you have hired or that you have no choice but to work with. Or that you have to report to. Those are your neighbors. And the extent of the love that you have for Jesus. Will be the extent of love that you have. For these people. You see the. Jesus said as he he went on through this. At the very end Jesus saw how this this man answered his question. And Jesus said, man, you answered it wisely. Pretty sharp. You get that we are to love God. You also get that we are to love each other. And all those things combined is greater than this uh, off is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So it's it's greater than duty. And Jesus says, "You get it. You're you're getting. You get that it's not. We don't do things out of duty, but we do things out of gratitude. We do things out of love for God and His mercy that He has offered to us. You get that. And what does Jesus say? He said to him, "You are not what far." 
from the kingdom of God. You're not what? Far. You're not far from it. That for me is a scary warning. For me. That's a scary, hopefully a scary warning for you too. That Jesus says, listen, you're not far. Some of you who are sitting in here are not far from the kingdom. You're not there. You have not totally embraced the work of Jesus Christ and the work that He has done for you. And you're not living it out totally full. But you know what? You're not far. It's a warning that say that he was, though he was close, he was decisively separated. Though he was close, he was just, he was just a step away. Jesus is going, you're so close. You're, so, you're almost there, but there's one more step that has got to take place before you are in the kingdom of heaven. It's quite possible to be within an inch of the kingdom of heaven, but yet to go to hell. That's a scary thing. Jesus was speaking to a scribe, a religious leader, the religious folk, us. And he said, Some of you, you're so close. But you're missing it. You're missing what it really means to give your life to your Savior. To give not only your allegiance, your Sunday allegiance, but to give to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, where you get that connection of that, oh man, it all just is so intertwined out of gratitude for, for the love and for the work of Jesus Christ. Man, out of all that flows love to this world, to my neighbors. And Jesus goes, that, that you've got. You have got that. And here's the truth is this. Convictions not acted on eventually die. Truths not followed eventually fade. Lingering around can become a habit and we can either go one way and get closer or we can generally just turn away and disappear. A single step for some of us is what we need. And the gospel that we hear, the gospel is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And unless we give our whole hearts, our lives to the king, unless we give our whole lives to the king, We have not given them at all. So the question is, for two of us, two different parties here, some of you have followed closely after Jesus. You have given your heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything to Him. You love Him. You adore Him. And you kind of love those people around you. What is God saying to you? 
How, how more fully is he saying, do you realize the grace that's been poured out to you? If not, man, you're missing it. And so is the world. Love me more deeply. Love me more deeply. For your sake, for my sake, for the world's sake. And then there's the rest of us where we are just an inch from being in the kingdom of God. And the question today is, what really is holding you back? Is it our North American pride that says, you know what, I'm self-sufficient, I'm, I'm doing good enough, I offer these things, I've got good enough life, I've got good enough family relationship, it's getting me by? Or are you ready to take the next step of saying, Lord, here's my whole life. And Jesus, with wide open arms, says, welcome home. Welcome to my kingdom. You've recognized the work done for you on the cross. You've died to yourself, your wants, your needs, your desires. And you have been given new life, found only in me. Now can you imagine what that would be like if the church of Jesus Christ would actually do this? Where we totally submit our mind and our heart and we're totally absorbed in God alone. Could you imagine? And how we very quickly say, man, if there's anything that Cindy Hendricks needs, anything, I will respond out of gratitude to God, to her. If there's anything that Andy Burke needs, any healing, any encouragement, any love, any mercy, any patience, man, I am going to offer it to Him out of gratitude for what God has given me to Him. And I'm going to just allow it to overflow. Imagine what would happen to the church. People would say, yeah, you are for real. You believe what you say because you're acting on it. And so here's, here's the kicker. Many of us are insulated. We love our people. Whether that be our, um, our immediate family or our closest friends. And Jesus says, you're called to love the difficult people. Are you willing to love the difficult people as Christ has loved you, a difficult person? Are you willing to speak words of encouragement as opposed to words of slander or gossip? Are you willing to offer a hand of help to people who are dying for just a hand up? Are you willing to help by just giving love, time, effort, energy, gospel love to people who need it? Or are you going to be remained insulated, 
cold and shut off from the rest of the world. And here's the thing. If you're going to be cold, insulated, and closed off to the rest of the world, I'm going to be honest with you, there's very little room for you here. Because we want to be a company of people that love God with all of our heart. And I, as a pastor, I'm going to have to learn how to love you. Because you're hard to love. Just like I'm hard to love. So as quickly as I said that there's not much room for you, there's all the room in the world. Because I'm called to love you. Because Christ has loved me. So you're going to hear every Sunday, get off your duff. Quit being spiritually lazy. Love God more than you could ever love anything else, anyone else. Passionately pursue God and God alone. And love your neighbors as you love yourself. You're going to hear that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, even to the point if we get down to one person, Casey and me, not going to be much of a choir. But you're going to hear that, that story over and over again. To love God and to love others. Let's pray. God, You've, uh, you've given us a tremendous amount of mercy. You you have painted a picture over and over again of the the debt that we owe You. And that's our lives. You have given us such joy in salvation, but God, we, we quickly admit that we have lost our first love. That we've quickly pursued things, people, jobs, you name it. We have filled our life with such other stuff that we've lost You. So God, would You call our hearts back to worshiping You fully? Would You uh, change our hearts that have grown hard to hearts that are soft so that when Your Spirit speaks to us, we, we readily respond? God, would You give us eyes and ears that that just see a world that is lost and broken. God, would You break our hearts with the things that break Yours. That God, as we go out here, as we go to, uh, go to lunch, as we go hang out with friends, as we do the men's ministry, God, may our hearts just break with the things that break Your hearts. And Lord, may out of the love that You have given us, Lord, may we respond to others by offering mercy, kindness, love, gentleness, patience, God, would You give us a a spirit of just perseverance where we're not looking for quick fixes and quick relationships. But Lord, that we are looking for um, being faithful to You first and persevering through difficult relationships and difficult people and different worldviews and different understandings of who You are. Lord, may we just persevere and push forward. 
And God, we can even see that as you sat with your disciples at the final meal. You sat with men, disciples who just didn't get it. But yet you gave them a perfect picture of your love. God, would you prepare our hearts now as we prepare for communion? Would we remember the cost, the price that you paid for our salvation? God, would you remind us, would your Holy Spirit convict us now in this moment of those that we have excluded? Those sins that we continue to go back to because they seem to be sweet, but they're nothing but poison and deadly. And God, would we confess those before You. For there's no little sin before a great God. Would You create in us a a clean heart, O God? So that with a clear conscience we can come and partake in a meal. Would would You allow us to truly examine our hearts so that we don't eat and drink judgment to ourselves, but Lord, that we give glory to You. God, would we also remember the gift. The free gift given to us that is also to be offered to others. So Jesus, we love You. We love this this work that You have done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread. And He said, it's for people like you that my body is broken. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After the meal, He took the cup and cup of blessing and said, this is a covenant poured out in My blood. A visual reminder of what I am going to have to pay for you. Remember this. When you eat and drink, when you gather together, remember the price. And don't just... Go through a funeral dirge, but celebrate. Because I've done this out of love. If you are uh, new to our community and you have you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess that with your mouth, you are welcome at this table. If you are still checking out who Jesus Christ is and you're not sure about it, I just want to encourage you, sit back. Watch. Ask questions later. What does this mean? But this is a meal that is reserved for those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. This is for the family. So would those who are coming up or serving, would you please come forward?